thank you so much and welcome to the next edition of the Next Level Esports Guest Podcast number six. I am thrilled to be having on this podcast a very special guest, an old friend of mine, Craig Levine, the CEO of ESL North America. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, Craig, you know, before we get into business, uh, let's, you know, obviously, we've known each other for a couple of years, we we're friendly. Uh, when I was at MLG, obviously, you know, I beat you in all the brand deals, we have to say that for the record. Um, but let's talk about, you know, a little, a little, you know, kind of inside joke that we have since we end up on all the panels together. Um, I tend to text you to make sure your flight's okay. What happens when I text you when we end up flying to the same panel? <laughs> Even when we fly to different panels, I feel like every time you text me, if I'm at an airport or on an airplane, I've somehow uh, managed to get a free upgrade uh, through miles. So you're like my uh, lucky rabbit foot, I guess, every time I fly. So keep it up. Oh, I will. I will do that. And as you know, uh, I'm a data and quantitative person. And I went back and looked at my text and I counted that I've texted you six times and you've gotten upgraded five of those times. So you're welcome. And further, further to that point for the audience that does not know, um, outside of the companies that I run and the podcast, I'm also Craig's admin because he texted me last panel and said, what time is our panel? And I texted him back and said, in 15 minutes, you should probably hurry up. And I made it on time. Best admin ever. <laughs> that is, that is. And that's why Craig Levine is so amazing. So, you know what? Let, let, let's get down to business. And this is a perfect segue. Um, you know, you've been in the esports space for a long time, uh, 10 plus years long. Even though you're 24 and look like you're 55, you've done this for a long time. So let's get back in the time machine and start at the beginning. How did you get into esports? Yeah, um, I mean, it's been way more than than ten years, probably closer to almost two decades coming up pretty soon. Um, but always grew up playing games uh, with brothers, friends, and so forth. And um, in the late '90s, kind of stumbled into Counter Strike uh, at the time after playing Quake and Team Fortress and lots of other games. Um, but uh, you know, got involved, started a team, uh, basically wanting to play with friends. Uh, from there, got involved. We were looking to, you know, join leagues, and that's when Counter Strike actually was played seven versus seven, uh, no fr or no friendly fire, dust only, dust one, not dust two. Uh, so a long time ago. So always kind of been drawn into just uh, the organization of esports, just based off, you know, what as a player we needed to do. Um, and as kind of the years went on from there, I started hosting local competitions in New York at an internet cafe. Uh, that grew into regional events. Then we started an agency and things kind of uh, just grew and developed out of that to where we are today. So uh, I, I always like to say I've never had a real job. Um, certainly every day <laughs> it starts to feel more and more like one, um, but been uh, you know incredibly proud to have been involved with um, you know a growing industry now uh, for so long. Yeah, absolutely. You actually have to return emails now, which is pretty, 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 pretty crazy. Um, my understanding is that you recently turned down in, uh, an opportunity to join uh, Fanatic's Counter-Strike team. Is that true? Can't confirm nor deny, but it might have been a, uh, a Legends team in the major this weekend. 
<laughs> okay. Well, we'll have to we'll have to get into that later. Uh, you know, I constantly joke about you know brands and investors that esports is a ten year overnight success story. You know, we just heard that you've been doing it for twenty years, so we know that it's not an overnight success story. You know, MLG Network was on you know in in uh, in two thousand and six. Yet because of all the hype it seems somewhat new to people. So I think it's important to go back and really understand so what it was like in the old days. So we're still back in that time machine. It's 10 years ago. ESL1 was recently at the Barclays Center, which is you know literally down the street um, from where I live in Brooklyn. But what was it back then with the events and the technology when you're working kind of 20, 15 years ago? Like, let's talk about what it was really like versus these massive events that people see and just think it was always like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was uh, really nothing like what we see today in many ways, but uh, in others, identical. Um, you know, the competition, the idea behind it was all there, right? The pure just team versus team element of it. Um, and the energy and excitement and enthusiasm that we had back then, I think is in, in many ways matched and equal, uh, to what you see on the stage today. Right. And that's just, I think the competitive nature that people that are the top of their sport or their craft, um, right. Sort of the pride that they have behind it. Uh, but back then, I mean, we were competing in, if we were lucky, you know, internet or, um, hotel ballrooms, we were bringing our computers, uh, and big CRT monitors, right, before even gaming laptops uh, <laughs> on airplanes going through, you know, TSA security, wrapping... By the way, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, because, you know, I don't know if the audience may actually even know what CRT means. <laughs> can, you, can you describe what CRT TVs, I mean? It's the old tube TVs. It's probably, uh, you know, take your LCD today or your... And, uh, turn it the other way is big box basically <laughs> so exactly. we'd show up at these hotels and you'd get out from the super shuttle and you know the bellhop would be there and you throw all your desktops and all your monitors on it and uh, go check in you bring it down to the big uh, bring your own computer area you'd set up next to your team and friends you'd practice for a couple of days and you'd basically enter into these massive brackets and there'd be you know 128 256 teams um, and you would just sort of have these marathon sessions from, I want to say Thursday to Sunday, uh, of kind of grinding through it. And, uh, back then the spectators were, you know, everyone would sort of huddle around the tournament area to have a seat to see what you could see. There'd be maybe a little projector that had the action with the, uh, HLTVs. Um, and shoutcasting back then was the true sense of the word. You literally had to copy and paste the link into Winamp play the file and synchronize it with the uh, HLTV. Um, so pre-streaming it, video, all of those things. Um, over time, that evolved, right? We eventually actually had to auction off slots um, so that people can spectate online pre-Twitch, pre-YouTube even. Um, and, you know, it was really more of a localized thing with uh, tens of thousands of people actually logging in through the game without the commentary to watch. So I remember our big matches back in the day would have 40,000 people watching, um, which still was a pretty big number. So, um, you know, again, a lot of the essence of what you see, but early technology, early forms of competition, um, just really bubbling up to, to where we are today. 
Yeah, no, it, it's pretty amazing. I can't believe you said the word Winamp. I don't think I've heard that word in about a decade. Please, I, I, I don't think we should talk about old technology anymore because you're going to bring up fax machines and maybe carrier pigeons. Uh, so let's go on to the next question. Uh, so now we're, okay, so we're back in 2017. We're out of the town, time machine. Esports is obviously a multi-trillion dollar industry, according to the l- latest Wall Street research reports that are always correct. Um, you know, I clearly try to reduce the hype and boil it down to this space as close to the truth as possible because at the end of the day you know again you me and many others have to sit across from those investing and spending money within esports and brands and agencies and slowly walk them through the reality and i think you also do a very good job of trying to reduce the hype and show that you know reality is the current spotlight on the space helping but both hurting the space as well I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think there's a lot of frenzy and fervor um, in many parts because of the more macro changes that are going on in the world of media, uh, consumption, generational shifts, and how um, you know new generations are right consuming entertainment. So I think it's just has a lot of disruption going on to traditional businesses, whether that's sports uh, or media, just as two examples. So I think that's all sort of fueling this frenzy as people are rushing to try to figure it out. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I feel extremely confident that there's something real solid and meaningful going on with esports. To me, that's evident by the tens of millions of people that are tuning into the events. Um, but maybe even more in a qualitative way, you know, sitting in Lanxess Arena two weeks ago with 14,000 screaming Counter-Strike fans um, completely engaged with what's going on. Um, is incredibly validating that regardless of maybe some of the uh, excitement that's out there, there's a real business there. And some of us uh, right, are really well positioned to be capitalizing on it and delivering great experience to the audience. I think right now there's lots of people chasing it, using air quotes, um, but have no idea what it is. So I think there's going to be losers before there's clear winners. Um, but you know that's part of the process. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And again, like I, I try to tell people like, again, you know, it's year zero and, you know, I don't care about the next 12 months. It's all about the next 12 years in this space. So yeah. again, we're, to- we're totally on the same page. And, and to be fair, I mean, right, we're further than year zero, right? We're maybe year three out of a 10 year journey. Three, sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, but we're for still sure. It's still ve- ve- very early, right? Absolutely. Right. We're, we're, we're just coming out of the Mesozoic era and the primordial soup. So now I'm, I'm there with you. So we need that infrastructure. You know, going back to the point you were saying about, um, you know, the early, early phases of, of, you know, playing in ballroom and setting the structure and now, you know, major arenas, you know, ESL has held events at Oracle Arena, Barclays Center, Madison Square Garden. You signed a partnership with IEG. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the leading, you know, sports companies to hold more sport, esports events with their partners. Washington D.C. is building a sixty million esports dedicated arena. Obviously, will be you know used for uh, you know multi events and additional sports as well. But you know they're focusing on esports and trying to turn D.C. into an esports town. Where do you think the sweet spot is for seating capacity that makes sense in today's market for a? purely dedicated esports arena, you know, they're now popping up, you know, all around the country. Yeah, I think it's really hard to say, to be fair. I think, um, you know, the biggest thing with esports, again, is lots of people are looking at it to translate one-to-one over to their business. I think the biggest thing that people have to remember is our field of play is virtual. We're not uh, bound, we don't have to come together in an arena 
uh, to compete, right? These great players are happening and matches are happening all over the world, right, remotely. Um, so it's really hard to say um, what is even the need and the frequency um, to have these types of, you know, uh, get-togethers and how big should they be? You know, when you look at uh, things like the Riot Studios, which is probably the closest, right, it's a couple of hundred people. Um, I don't know that a couple of hundred people on a couple of two times a week basis is going to justify the investment in return for a venue of that type. Um, from our experience as ESL, we found that really three, three to 4,000 is sort of the minimum that you need. Um, and that the sweet spot really is when you fill it up and the revenue scales and, um, ticket sales become a meaningful contributor to the overall event budget. Um, so in our minds, as we look out to events, it's really, Three to five thousand is sort of the minimum, um, and you know we think sort of the ten to to twelve thousand type of arena is a little bit of the sweet spot where it feels like something that you know with a strong push, esports can step up, step into, and grow into to fill out uh, versus being in somewhere that's too large, empty, and cavernous. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, as we saw, you know, at Barclays Center, as, as we even heard, you know, from, you know, the next president that, you know, the fact that you were able to sell out that many number of tickets that quickly, like you couldn't give away, you know, Nets Bucks tickets if you're walking down the street at that time. So granted, you know, you don't need to be there for, you know, 80 nights a year again, but, you know, a couple of events there, you know, I think will be able to hold that sweet spot for those higher major events. But I agree with you in that sort of of 3,000 to 5,000 range for those smaller type arenas kind of makes sense right now. Um, moving on to your, you know, outside of now from an event-based perspective, you know, you, ESL signed multiple distribution deals. I've written about it, tons of it on TNL. Um, I just want to say, um, cough, coincidentally, this just happened after we spoke about a year ago about ESL strategy cough about distribution. I'm just saying you just happened to switch that. I don't know if it was coincidence or not, but you know, you're, you're well, you're welcome for that conversation. But I would say I've talked about, you know, the bifurcation of esports content, right? So back in the day, you know, you're talking, you know, pre Amazon acquisition of Twitch, even then, if you wanted to watch esports, you basically watched it on Twitch. Now it's all over the place and obviously the deals that you've talked with now we're seeing esports turn into just like traditional sports there isn't one sports channel you know baseball is kind of on one you know the turner kind of owns that tnt kind of has basketball football obviously has a relationship across you know espn nbc and what they've now signed um on ott as well um, do you see more platforms continue to strike these exclusive content deals? I mean, we recently saw, obviously, the Twitch Blizzard. Do you think that's starting to move forward where it's actually they got content for free? They have to start writing checks now? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way the industry, that's one of the ways that the industry is going for sure. Um, and that's part of the development and maturation of the business. I mean, core for us at ESL, we've got I would say a pretty robust and sophisticated strategy there. Um, a lot of you know, big team working on it, not just right domestically or not just digitally globally, but even on a local and regional basis, linear, digital, uh, and so forth. Um, so a big part of our goal, right, having been involved with this for so long, is still what we call building reach and relevance. 
So we're incredibly excited to see how new platforms and different platforms can build our global fan base of esports fans. We think that's going to be incredibly important. As big as esports is and the endemic audience, right, that lives on Twitch and YouTube um, and even Facebook, um, you know, the, those become additive in many ways, right? If Twitch has, don't quote me, 100 million monthly active uh, you know, gamers on their platform and YouTube has, I don't remember if it's 350 to 500 million and, or 300 million Facebook's got, who knows, 500 million or something. Um, those are all fans that we want to, uh, reach and partner with and, and get in front of. So, um, you know, it's important to us that we get smart and sophisticated, um, about not just distributing there, but also creating content that's going to be relevant to the audience on that platform. And that is going to be able to be have the right uh, levers in place to be successful there. So if we put the same thing out everywhere, um, right, that might not really help build some of those platforms in the way that they look to it. Um, so, um, you know, we're learning, we're experimenting. Um, I think in a positive way, we're being aggressive. Um, but we ultimately, right, as an industry, need to find ways to create success uh, to continue the investment and to continue the broadening of our, of our core fan and casual fan base. No, absolutely. Reach and relevance, by the way, that's a fantastic trademark. I th- I'm going to guess you're going to use that about 10 times today on your client calls. So I'm going to copy that. Uh, but I totally agree. I totally agree with you. And Facebook, I think, is fantastic. I have to give a shout out. I just finished reading a book called Chaos Monkeys that talks about Facebook in the early days. And I think, you know, what Facebook is doing and obviously what they have in terms of social and VR and their connectivity. Um, obviously, you know, their one Twitch deal in terms of streaming directly with Blizzard. You know, I think, you know, Facebook is going to do some uh, really interesting things in this space. So, um, you know, I'm really excited to see what what they're going to do. Uh, moving on to the platform side again, you know, you last year, you signed a two-year deal with Yahoo Esports to produce and distribute tournaments. You know, to, you did a brand deal like with Reese's Puffs for Yahoo Esports and their exclusive show. They announced the site was being shuttered on Unfortunately, as part of Oath, which is Verizon A, well, Yahoo's combined company, you know, which is part of their 2000 plus total potential layoffs. You know, was this surprising to you? And what happens to, you know, these these type of media deals going forward as we've sort of seen, you know, a lot. The media landscape is going through essentially a bloodbath right now. It's not just on the gaming side. You're talking, you know, major companies like New York Times, Huffington post um buzzfeed you know lay making those layoffs you know talk about how do you how do you think that's going to uh work out going forward yeah i think it's a great example of again sort of the changing habits that we see with a new generation of people interacting with technology in different ways right it's less of a top-down uh approach to news and media for how we're getting it these days and more bottom-up platforms like twitter um you know even bleacher report in traditional sports uh, minute media in, in esports, um, you're seeing just a democratization of content here. And this is part of that. It's very disruptive. So again, I think a lot of traditional companies are looking to esports, right? Top down saying, this is where they are. Let's put our existing business into that audience, not understanding some of the nuances and differences that exist. Um, so, um, you know, who the winners are and how it ultimately shakes out, um, we'll see. We think it's important that those different platforms and outlets exist. Um, ultimately, right, we need better storytelling as an industry, stronger narrative 
the more people know, the more people care as fans, the more likely they are to watch and engage with our content. So it's incredibly important to us that we work closely with, um, you know, different news and, and editorial sites of different types um, to try to get them hooked and again, successful with what they're doing um, so that they could help deepen the engagement that we have with the audience. Yeah, no, for sure. Completely agreed. You know, again, in the perfect timing and segue department, I wrote yesterday that we saw a massive amount of esports content this weekend, not only on digital platforms like Twitch, YouTube gaming and Twitter, but obviously on TV as well. You know, I counted five different TV shows that were actually broadcast on Sunday, which is absolutely phenomenal. And one thing that I found really interesting is from a total viewer's perspective, Super Smash Brothers, you know, on the Evo finals on Disney XD actually outperformed the Street Fighter finals that were on ESPN2, which I think, you know, which is absolutely amazing. And I think the Smash scene, you know, is totally underdeserved, underserved. And, you know, and it's something that, you know, is really run like grassroots, like you were saying back in the day. And as in perfect timing, you've recently announced a partnership with Disney XD, you know, and I definitely believe and I've written about so many times the need for good content, let alone the need for good shoulder content that goes along with just live events. I mean, sports are so popular. It's not just because of the actual event, but what goes around the story. So what's this partnership entail with Disney? Yeah, I think it's super interesting. You know, they're trying to reach a new audience here with this whole gaming block. Um, I think the big thing is, uh, um, and I mean this in an encouraging way, it's very experimental. Um, I think that's, again, the trend that you're seeing across the board. Um, so, you know, we're, we're excited to be working with them um, to put together, you know, some, some concepts, I would say, um, you know, that are out there from our brawlers and speedrunners content. Um, it's new grounds. It's new territory. We think we're all continuing to learn an incredible amount with all the, with all of the different types of content and formats of content being out there. Um, and we'll use it to kind of refine our strategy and most importantly, um, try to develop a formula, right, that our fans and audience wants. Um, so um, I don't think there's any one silver bullet off the bat. I don't think certainly ourselves look at and say, we've got the answer today. Um, it's encouraging to see platforms like Disney and Disney XD um, really jumping into this. Um, they've got a tremendous amount of content on there. So um, you know, we're going to work closely with them and take our learnings and hopefully to continue to do good stuff even out, outside of this. Yeah. And I think, you know, the need for kids content is absolutely huge. You know, I have a nine-year-old son and, you know, what I say is 99% of my son's media consumption, you know, is Minecraft videos on YouTube playing Clash Royale and watching Rocket League. So there's a huge need for that. So, you know, when you eventually, you know, get a girlfriend and have that kid yourself, ladies, Craig is single in New York City. If you want your number, please text me. I'm happy to give that out. Uh, but I think you know i think that's awesome so you've been very busy no wonder you're on planes all the time you again signed a major partnership you announced with intel at e3 you've worked with intel extreme masters for a long time right now what what's that partnership look like yeah i think that's uh, for us and honestly as an industry i think it's an incredible turning point um intel's a company that's been invested into gaming I mean, literally, they were the sponsor of the first competition uh, that I went to that I was describing way back when in 2001 or so. Um, so they've been 
2001. I mean, that's a that's a long time for their investment. Totally, and a huge credit uh, to them to really understand or to, to spot this early. And I think they've positioned themselves. Everyone talks about who does it best, who does it best. The biggest, longest-standing esports competition in history is called the Intel Extreme Masters. Um, so they're, in my mind, the perfect company. They're really trying to establish themselves as their performance brand within esports. Um, but most importantly for us, this partnership sort of takes it to that next level. Um, you know, there are global technology partner powering our events, our studios, the competitions. Um, and, you know, we've also launched the Intel Grand Slam, um, which for Counter-Strike is going to essentially tie together um, the ESL1, IEM, DreamHack Masters, and ESL Pro League competitions, where we award an, a million-dollar prize bonus uh, to the first team that wins four of those 10 events. Um, so, you know, we think that starts to, again, help with the narrative and storytelling, um, you know, out there in the industry. Um, but to see their commitment, uh, we're already seeing it as a blueprint that we're going to use moving forward um, and, and create a little bit of a pull effect we're seeing in the market as well uh, from other AAA brands uh, wanting to understand more and get further involved into esports. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. And uh, definitely, you know, taking it to the next level is fantastic. That's a great word, the next level. I should look into, <laughs> into, into looking, look into that, um, maybe trademark that, but I think that's fantastic. So listen, we've covered a lot, you know, your long history, your 20 plus years in the space, ESL's transformation, all the partnerships you've done, your recent major brand deal with IEM, what you're doing for teams, what you've done on the media side. So What's in store for ESL's future? Yeah, it's, it's continue to focus on our core. I think, you know, again, we've been involved for a long time. You get pushed and pulled. Um, but through all these discussions, I think we've got a stronger focus than ever. Um, you know, and, and key for us moving forward is just growing this mission of it. Um, building esports events, competitions, and content that are sort of catered to that amateur to professional player. Um, so we've got a, an exciting lineup uh, of events next year. We're actually close to finalized. So I'm sure those will be announced in the coming months. Um, and just continue to be an industry leader, continue to work in partnership with publishers, teams, players, fans um, to help build the infrastructure that this industry is going to need to be successful. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to do that. Um, and again, we're, we're proud and humbled to be a part of that. Yeah, I know. I think that's great. Wait, what was that partnership you said that was going to be announced again? <laughs> nice try. Wait, what? What was it? Nice try? I haven't heard of that. What's the name of that company? It's a uh, partner site, sister site to the next level. Oh, God, Craig. Come on. All right. So I will leave you with this. Last question. We're on the next five panels together. By the way, the next panel is coming up shortly. You'll have a text and an invite um, into your email shortly a, to let you know you're on time. And upgrade. I'm also... Uh, that, well, it's in New York, Craig. I mean, come on. I mean, I will send you an Uber, okay? I will, I'm going to, okay, no, I'm going to send you a Lyft, okay? So we're going to do that. So I'm going to get you there on time. So this is what we're going to do. We're playing a game together on stage. What game do you pick? And what's the bet you can't pick Counter-Strike? Oh, God, this feels like a completely loaded question. Um, look, I, I, I won't even put you through a Quake Champions ringer. I'm confident I could beat you on that. I'll just lump that in with Counter-Strike. Uh, I'll challenge you to get a game of Clash Royale. I feel pretty good about that. 
Oh my god, I will destroy you in Clash Royale. Okay, let's go I'm do this. Throw you throw okay, you pick Um Oh, I don't want to, I, I can't even say. I mean, let, let's just say right now, this morning, I just three crowned someone and that's not, there's nothing better to start your day than a three crown Clash Royale. That's all I have to say. Okay. You play Clash. I'm picking Street Fighter two Turbo for the SNES. And what's our bet? Oh, God. Uh, our bet will be, uh, at ESL one New York. Loser has to. Hmm. Oh, God. Okay, so I'm going to make it easy. Loser at ES... Okay, the loser, first day of ESL 1, has to wear the outfit of the winner's choice. Oh, jeez. You're on record. Uh, this is going out to a lot of people, Craig. Uh... Uh... Alright, for portion for of the day, deal. I will take silence as acceptance. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, listen, Craig, thank you so much for being on the show. This is an awesome conversation. I will talk to you and see you soon. I'm sure I'm going to get a text from you in about an hour saying, hey, what's that thing I need to do that you remind me of again? And can you please send me an email? But I will talk to you later on today. And again, thank you so much for being on the Next Level Esports Guest Podcast. Thanks for having me.